Day 212 of 365, the Bible Challenge with Abby Joy. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17 to chapter 19, verse 2. The verse to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. Flipping a coin can end arguments. It settles disputes between powerful opponents. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favour from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy. The rich answer with insult. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Romans chapter 14 verse 1 to 18. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honour him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honour the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honour the Lord. And if we die, it's to honour the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again, this very purpose to be lord both of the living and of the dead so why do you condemn another believer why do you look down on another believer remember we all stand before the judgment seat of god for the scriptures say as surely as i live says the lord every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to god yes each of us will give a personal account to god so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus 
that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticised for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. We, who are strong, must... Oh, I went way too far. (laughs) Oh, okay. Chronicles... Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, chapter 9, verse 1b to chapter 10, verse 14. So all Israel was listed in the genealogical records in the book of the kings of Israel. The people of Judah were exiled to Babylon because they were unfaithful to the Lord. The first of the exiles to to return to their property in their former towns were priests, Levites, temple servants and other Israelites. Some of the people from the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim and Manasseh came and settled in Jerusalem. One family that returned was that of Uthai, son of Amihud, son of Omri, son of Imri, son of Bani, a descendant of Perez, son of Judah. Others returned from the Shilonite clan, including Asiah, the oldest, and his sons. From the Zerahite clan, Joel returned with his relatives. In all, 690 families from the tribe of Judah returned. From the tribe of Benjamin came Salu, son of Meshulam, son of, son of Hodaviah, Hodaviah, even, son of Hasanua, Ibneah, son of Jeroham, Elah, son of Uzi, son of Mikri, and Meshulam, son of Shephathiah, son of Reuel, son of Ibnijah. These men were all leaders of clans, and they were listed in their genealogical records. In all, 956 families from the tribe of Benjamin returned. Among the priests who returned were Jedahiah, Jehoiab, 
Jachin, Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Meshulam, son of Zadok, son of Merayoth, son of Ahitub. Azariah was the chief officer of the house of God. Other returning priests were Adiah, son of Jeroham, son of Pashher, son of Malkijah, and Masai, son of Adiel, son of Jazerah, son of Meshulam, son of Meshhilimith, son of Imma. In all, 1,760 priests returned. They were heads of clans and very able men. They were responsible for ministering at the house of God. The Levites who returned were Shemaiah, son of Hashhub, son of Azrikam, son of Hashabiah, a descendant of Merari, Bach-Bachar, Heresh, Galal, Mataniah, son of Micah, son of Zikri, son of Asaph, Obadiah, son of Shemaiah, son of Galal, son of Jeduthan, and Bechariah, son of Asa, son of Elkanah, who lived in the area of Netophapha. The gatekeepers who returned were Shalom, Akub, Talmon, Achiman, and their relatives. Shalom was the chief gatekeeper. Prior to this time, they were responsible for the king's gate on the east side. These men served as gatekeepers for the camps of the Levites. Shalom was the son of Korah, a descendant of Apisaph, from the clan of Korah. He and his relatives, the Korites, were responsible for guarding the entrance to the sanctuary, just as their ancestors had guarded the tabernacle in the camp of the Lord. Phineas, son of Eleazar, had been in charge of the gatekeepers in earlier times, and the Lord had been with him. And later, Zechariah, son of Meshelemiah, was responsible for guarding the entrance to the tabernacle. In all, there were 212 gatekeepers in those days, and they were listed according to the genealogies in their villages. David and Samuel, the seer, had appointed their ancestors because they were reliable men. These gatekeepers and their descendants, by their divisions, were responsible for guarding the entrance to the house of the Lord when the house, when that house was a tent. The gatekeepers were stationed on all four sides, east, west, north and south. Their relatives in the villages came regularly to share their duties for seven-day periods. The four chief gatekeepers, all Levites, were trusted officials for they were responsible for the rooms and treasuries at the house of God. They would spend the night around the house of God since it was their duty to guard it and to open the gates every morning. Some of the gatekeepers were assigned to care for the various articles used in worship. They checked them in and out to avoid any loss. Others were responsible for the furnishings, the items in the sanctuary, and the supplies such as choice flour, wine, olive oil, frankincense and spices. But it was the priests who blended the spices. Mattithiah, a Levite, and the oldest son of Shalom, the Korite, was an entrusted was entrusted with baking the bread used in offerings. And some members of the clan of Kohath were in charge of preparing the bread to be set on the table each Sabbath day. The musicians, all prominent Levites, lived at the temple. 
They were exempt from other responsibilities since they were on duty at all hours. All these men lived in Jerusalem. They were the heads of the Levite families and were listed as prominent leaders in their genealogical records. Jael, the father of Gibeon, lived in the town of Gibeon. His wife was Macha, and his oldest son was named Abdon. Jael's other sons were Zer, Kish, Baal, Ner, Nadab, Gedor, Ahio, Zechariah, and Mikloth. Mikloth was the father of Shimeim. All these families lived near each other in Jerusalem. Ner was the father of Kish. Kish was the father of Saul. Saul was the father of Jonathan, Malkishua, Abinadab, and Eshbal. Jonathan was the father of Meribabal. Meribal was the father of Micah. The sons of Micah were Pithon, Melech, Tariah, and Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Jada. Jada was the father of Alimeth, Azmaveth, and Zimri. Zimri was the father of Moza. Moza was the father of Beniah. Beniah's son was Rephiah. Rephiah's son was Elisha. Sa. Elisha Sa's son was Azel. Azel had six sons whose names were Azrikam, Bokaru, Ishmael, Shiria, um, Obadiah, and Ahan. Anan. <laughs> These were the sons of Azel. Now the Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before them. Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine armies, archers, caught up with him and wounded him. Saul groaned to his armour-bearer, Take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to taunt and torture me. But his armour-bearer was afraid and would not do it, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armour-bearer realised that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died. So Saul and his three sons died there together, bringing his dynasty to an end. When all the Israelites in Jezreel Valley saw that their army had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead... They abandoned their towns and fled, so the Philistines moved in and occupied their towns. The next day, when the Philistines went out to strip the dead, they found the bodies of Saul and his sons on Mount Gilboa. So they stripped off Saul's armour and cut off his head. Then they proclaimed the good news of Saul's death before their idols and to the people throughout the land of Philistia. They placed his armour in the temple of their gods and they fastened his head to the temple of Dagon. But when everyone in Jabesh Gilead heard about everything the Philistines had done to Saul, all their mighty warriors brought the bodies of Saul and his sons back to Jabesh. Then they buried their bones beneath the great tree at Jabesh and they fasted for seven days. So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command. And he even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Jesse.